0: From the sweetly stinking studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for the 99th Lehigh Valley episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinx, You Bet Your Garden. Yes, next week we'll mark our 100th show up here in the Shadow of the Steel, but before we can get there, it's garlic planting time. Actually, it's time to get your planting garlic in hand so you can get your cloves in the ground at the perfect time. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I don't know if I ever planted anything at the perfect time. But on today's show, we'll reveal exactly when and how to have your happiest garlic harvest ever. Plus, evasive answers to your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and surreptitiously sanguine significations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you saying, I got the scapes, right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners, school bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to a thrilling 99th episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media here in beautiful Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, beautiful Mike McGrath. Later on in the show, we're not only going to teach you how to grow great garlic But we're gonna show off some of my garlic and show you how to break it apart and get it ready for replanting and everything like that. It's going to be very exciting. So hose yourself down while we take our first phone call at 833-727-9588. Anastasia, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
1: Hi, Mike, thank you so much. It's great to be talking to you today.
0: It's great to be talking to you. How you doing?
1: I'm fine.
0: And where is Anastasia Fine?
1: I am calling you from Balakinwood, just outside of Philadelphia.
0: Balaya Sinwood.
1: (laughs) That's one way to say it.
0: Yep, yep, just off of City Line Avenue, right? That's right. Yeah, okay. And uh, we have to ask, well, I won't ask about your name, but what do your friends call you? Uh, they call me Stasia. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm going to be formal. You know.
1: Okay. You you. That's fine.
0: So, what can we do for Anastasia?
1: Um. So you know, we're in the midst of uh, a pandemic and uh, a lot of social upheaval. But I have a very minor question about scale, and um, I was, uh, you know nurturing myself by just gazing at my plants and sure. I noticed that uh, almost every single tree and bush in my yard is covered in scale and they big repulsive uh, you know squishy spurty kind of scale that to me indicates that they're sort of in that particular moment where they're about to go uh, crusty and hard and you know then spread from there so I don't really know what to do, and um, I, you know, there's a lot of bushes, a lot of trees in the yard, but I realized after leaving some, something out uh, that maybe that the entire canopy has a scale in it. So it's coming from these really tall trees,
0: Okay, and I okay. say that
1: because it's sticky.
0: Okay. Now, you scared me. Um, yeah. Because if you've got a yard full of scale, um, you have to wait till the winter time and sell your house. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think you have might instead be aphids. No,
1: I, I know the difference between an aphid and scale.
0: You sure? Uh,
1: yeah. Because aphids I, have legs. Scale don't have legs. And at some point they do, you know, when they're in their sort of powdery phase, mm-hmm. but
0: no. But you've seen them, Scale de- you've seen these pests develop their shells.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we're back,
0: we're, we're back to selling the house. You know, when, okay. this, when this pandemic is over, people are gonna wanna get into a new house. Ha- Everybody's gonna trade houses because we're all sick of looking at our own wallpaper. Yeah, right. You know, so I tell you, uh, do you use any pesticides? On your property, Uh, no No. treated lawn or anything like that?
1: No, we don't even have a lawn. It's just all whatever, you know, perennials grow and then, um, you know, ivy and... uh, How big is your property? It's just under an acre.
0: Okay, okay. Um, Have you tried... You know, the problem is the ones that are up high.
1: Yeah. And
0: did you... Take out an infested house plant this is a very, you know this is a very unusual problem,
1: yeah
0: um to have Time outdoors. For dogs oh, um why don't you yeah. te- why don't you teach your dogs to eat the scale and then you can you can outfit them with one of those little tree climber outfits. I'm busy teaching them to eat my shoes, yeah, exactly. I think they know how to do that instinctively. We have two kittens in the house and they just discovered shoelaces,
1: oh nice.
0: Yeah, except um, that, you know, we've fallen six times, you know.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, I I kind of I don't know. I when I first wrote in, I I didn't really think there would be an answer to this because the trees are so tall. Well, you're right. You um, know. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I just wanted to commiserate and see if anybody else is having this problem. I and, have
0: never never in my 600 years of doing this heard of mm-hmm. such a problem but you know when we say that then next week maybe we'll start hearing from people mm-hmm. who had similar situations mm-hmm. so I yeah. do have some advice okay um I would hose down everything you can see with sharp streams of water okay and I mean laser sharp streams of water like I uh, described for getting aphids off of roses and stuff okay and then do you have a pressure washer Okay. I mean, I don't, but I can borrow one. Okay. With no soap or anything in it, you know, run a couple of um, runs of plain water through it. Crank it up as hard as it goes. And put mm-hmm. your bathing suit on and shoot it up into the trees. Keep, huh. keep trying to disrupt the yeah. life cycle. And then in the back of my cluttered mind, somewhere along with the old issues of Spider-Man, I remember that there is a natural predator of scale. Oh. So you, you're going to have to look this up, but this, okay. m- this may be a beneficial insect yeah. that you can purchase. Okay. But what I would say literally for the next month, you know, just get out there every morning, morning is going to be the best time, yeah. and, and hose these trees down. And then maybe after that, when we've achieved a good knockdown, if you get lucky and the water penetrates, we could get a 95% knockdown here. Yeah. And then okay. you would release the beneficials. And then you wouldn't kill them with the sharp sprays of water, of course.
1: Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Now, you've kind of implied or said that your canopy is way overgrown.
1: Uh, Help me out. Say, Give me no, something. No, 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 not overgrown.
0: Give me something it's here. Paul. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to be yeah.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> I was going to suggest if it is heavily overgrown to have it thinned out over the winter, but if that's if that's really not an issue and you yeah. and you really like the the shade and the cooling, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, a you know, I know Balakinwood very well, and there's magnificent tree cover there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I really value that, and um, yeah.
0: This is a, it's a very interesting situation. Um, you know, the only thing i got right now is sharp streams of water. But okay. as I've said so many times on the show, this is really true. Water is the best pesticide. Yeah. And, and I
1: have beehives on, on our roof, so I really don't want to ever use anything that could float over to them.
0: No, or, no, it's not even the case. If, if, you so. to, if you were going to go to the dark side... You would no. use a systemic insecticide and soak the roots of your trees, oh, God,
1: no. and That's then and a then, too much trouble. <laughs>
0: well, B. yeah, and B is your bees yeah. because yeah. it would make the flowers poisonous.
1: Yes, forget it.
0: So do the sharp streams of water. Okay. See how it works. Check in. If I come up with something else, maybe we'll call you back, or I'll just talk okay. about it on the show.
1: Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much, and I always love your show and have benefited from your advice over the years, so thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you. Number to call, 833-727-9588. Tim, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, thanks for being had, Tim. How are you doing?
3: We're doing great. I'm out in uh, colorful Colorado.
0: Oh, what part of Colorado?
3: Centennial, just south of Denver.
0: Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. We, um, my Diane and I spent uh, a week uh, in between Cortez and Durango um, last year. And boy, what beautiful country it is out there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh. you've got
3: to kind of stay close to home, it's a good place to be.
0: Well, you have to stay close to home because it was 10 miles of dirt road to get to the county road. And then, <laughs> it, then it was 20 minutes to get to a gas station or a store. Sure. But it it's just wonderful. The sky at night is just killer. All right, what can we do you for?
3: Yeah, uh, my question is about my tomatoes. I had followed uh, the You Bet Your Garden Guide to Growing Tomatoes
0: mm-hmm. uh, last you.
3: winter, got it the updated edition, and followed your general guidance in terms of starting from seed. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I have had pretty good success with getting my starts out, and uh, everything was progressing well, and I got my soil tested uh, after kind of an unproductive year last year. And um, this year the plants were good. We got post-frost, and the plants look great now. However, we have an issue. It's blossom drop.
0: Uh, Some, uh, you cut out there. What's your oh, issue?
3: Sorry. So we have a new issue of blossom drop.
0: Blossom drop. Okay, so what, yeah, they, what's the temperature been like?
3: So our nighttime temperatures have been in the upper 50s. Daytime okay. has been in the low to mid 80s.
0: Okay, that should not uh, negatively affect them. From where, I, you know, I was, uh, we were staying at like seven to 8,000 feet elevation just outside of Denver. You, you, I presume you're just a mile high like the city. Correct. Yeah, so that's really not going to affect them. Uh so they're planted in the ground and Correct. um uh what did you feed them with or mulch them with and how are they supported? Yeah, so
3: they are watered with a drip system, mm-hmm. uh, usually twice a week with a drip irrigation for about 45 to Sixty minutes, depending upon our mo- moisture scenario. hmm I they are in-ground plantings. I have in the last like six or seven weeks put about bra- a quarter to a half cup per plant with an uh, organic granular um,
0: uh, fertilizer.
3: fertilizer that is four six three.
0: Okay, that's a very nice number. That's excellent. Uh, uh, and the plants look good.
3: They mm-hmm. look healthy. They just are not setting a lot of fruit.
0: Okay. Now, um, you guys get very little rain, so why mm-hmm. are you irrigating for such a short period of time?
3: Oh, maybe Is that the issue, perhaps?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, the way to irrigate is to deliver in normal climates, and what you described is a pretty normal climate. That's exactly what's happening in Pennsylvania, in Jersey, Delaware, New York. So, um, and you're not at an altitude where uh, the solar rays would be disruptive to your plants, as they are once you get, like, in, you know, seven or 8,000 feet. Um, So I'm going to suggest once a week for literally four to five hours. Mm -hmm. And then... You do get a heat wave at some point, don't you? Oh, yes, for sure. It was in the 90s for a day here
3: and there, but it doesn't actually sustain it.
0: Okay. When it is in the 90s, you will experience blossom drop. There's nothing you can do about it. The pollen actually fries on the plant. And then typically the flowers fall off because there's nothing for them to do. So if you have blossom drop following even a short heat wave, that's absolutely normal. You realize that it is very difficult to grow tomatoes in Colorado. You oh, know, man, isn't it? You, have, you can have frosts in June. Mm-hmm. So what? two pieces of advice. The first one is cut back to once a week, but for a really long period of time. If you enter a heat wave, you can break that in half, do like three hours twice a week. But are you prepared with any kind of season extension device for a sudden frost?
3: Uh, Beyond running outside with every blanket in the house, we don't have a a huge other uh, ability to do covering
0: or things like that. Okay. I want you to forego the blankets and buy a row of spun polyester row cover, floating row covers. Um, I presume the tomatoes are caged? Yeah, and they're staked and caged both. Good. Yeah, you can uh, you can drape the row cover over top of the cages. Where you live, I would get a heavyweight row cover. It comes in Mm -hmm. like two place, uh, two types, lightweight or heavyweight. And I would just go out and drape that over the cages. And it'll give you several degrees of frost protection but it, it's almost the same as growing in southeast Alaska you really have to help them um, achieve the warmth that they don't get during these cold waves mm-hmm. so I think those two things and you'll do fine and again if, if, if it gets into the 90s um, I might put on the row covers then just just as well because then mm. yeah well you'll be protecting them somewhat from the direct rays of the sun, which I said, obviously, your UV rays are not nearly as strong as up where we were, the, where the tomatoes get 30% more of the UV rays, which are damaging at that level. Um, but if you can keep direct sun off them in the afternoon by putting these covers over top and then taking them off in, in the night, you might be able to cheat and keep those flowers. Okay, that's good advice. Well, you know, sometimes I surprise myself. And don't forget, (laughs) a broken watch is still right twice a day. (laughs) Okay, man? Very good. Well, thank you so much for your help. Oh, well, thank you for calling. Bye-bye. All right, we'll talk to you again. Bye now. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind you to harvest at the right times. Crops like string beans and summer squash should be picked promptly while they're still nice and small for the best flavor and continued plant production. Tomatoes should be picked the day they ripen up or they'll lose flavor sitting ripe on the vine. But don't go eyeballing your beds just yet because we'll be right back to help you grow great garlic and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem. Pa. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to the 99th episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're not only going to teach you how to grow great garlic later in the show. As a show and tell, we're going to show you the beautiful garlic I harvested this year. One of my best years ever, and garlic is one of the most fun crops you can grow. Before that... A couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Bethany, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being had, Bethany. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing just all right. How are you?
0: I am ducky, thanks for asking. (laughs) Oh, and where is Bethany?
4: Uh, I am in Dallas, Texas. Okay,
0: very good. How hot is it?
4: It is not too bad. It's just, you know, mid-90s every afternoon. We call that not bad this time of year.
0: Exactly. I know (laughs) what you mean. All right. What can we do for Bethany in Texas? Okay.
4: Well, I am very, very amateur at gardening. Um, I have a little ground-level backyard bed um, uh, that I've kind of made half-hearted attempts at over the years but never really... Um, got to do a good effort on it until this year, thanks to the pandemic. Um, yeah, and
0: that's why um, you can't and, buy seeds or plants anymore.
4: Exactly, exactly, because of people like me. Exactly. So, um, so I've been, you know, making a lot of mistakes and having a lot of failures and learning over the course of the season. Um, let me and I've been listening.
0: Let me, me stop you right there and explain that this is the only way you become a good gardener. The story I like to tell is I had a guy on my show early on when I was just starting, who was a bonsai expert. And I told him I was fascinated by uh, the culture of these trees. And he said, oh great, how many do you have? And I said, none, none, I'd be terrified of killing them. And he looked at me and he goes, I've killed hundreds. It's it's the only way you learn.
4: Yeah, so that's uh, that, that's what I've been doing so far is is learning through uh, plant murder, I guess.
0: Uh huh. So You're on your way year. to becoming an expert.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've I've been listening, I've taken up your podcast this year, and it's taught me a lot. And um, but it got me into a bit of trouble uh, a week or two ago. Um, so the the soil that I use, I, I use a lot of kitchen scrap compost. Um, they'll have kitchen scrap and leaves and uh grass clippings in it. Um and I did not intend to grow tomatoes because I thought that was too much of a challenge for me, but some have grown out of some seeds that were clearly in the compost.
0: And through the kitchen um, scraps, yeah.
4: Yeah. So um uh so I'm forced to try to keep them alive now and um uh and, and then the other the issue I've been having with this uh, with this compost, too, is because we're not very good about mowing the lawn often enough, but there's a lot of seed pods in the, that ended up in the grass clippings in the compost. So I'm dealing with a lot of weeds. Uh-huh. Um, and so I wanted to put down a mulch to really suppress all these weeds because I was tr- sick of pulling them all off. Hmm. Um, so, um, you know, one day I go out, I've got this great live oak tree in the front yard that makes these great little leaves that are just gorgeous for mulch. Um, right. So I, so I lay them down over the whole garden. And then the next day um, I come out and I'm working in the garden and listening to your podcast at the same time, and I hear you talk about how not to use whole leaves because um, you'll, you know, suffocate in the air, the aeration that the soil needs, and all that. So I run over and I pull all the whole oak leaves off of the garden, mm-hmm. and um, I go to replace them with shredded leaves. Um, but my husband's uh, leaf blower bag actually had a lot of wood shavings in it, so I said, oh, "Okay, well, I'll use this. Just go ahead and use this instead." And then the next day, I'm out working in the garden, listening to your podcast, and I hear a different episode where you talk about, (laughs) Uh um, uh, you know, never using wood shavings or wood chips on tomatoes. So I run over, pull the wood shavings off the tomatoes, um, and replace them with shredded leaves. Okay. And then the very next day, I hear you talking about shredded leaves also being bad for um, disease-prone plants like tomatoes. So then I run over again Uh for about the third or fourth day in a row um, and pull the shredded leaves off.
0: If this is the story of the three bears, you just ran out of beds.
4: Yeah, exactly. So I figured I ought to call you before I figured out anything else to put on uh, to, to mulch around these tomatoes. Uh, um, so that I don't end up having to run back and forth five
0: more times. I, I think that third bed you tried was actually just right. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, you have to read a little bit between the lines, think about emphasis. Shredded leaves would probably be the second best mulch for tomatoes. Compost mm-hmm. is the best mulch because it can prevent disease, but your compost is unfinished um Mm -hmm. if it were completely finished it wouldn't produce weeds or i would i would say tomato starts but that's not true those seeds uh, as you know when you eat a tomato the seeds have a gelatinous coating on them Mm -hmm. so that coating has to wash off or kind of ferment away so even in a hot compost pile you can get uh tomato sprouts once i was um visiting a composting site in another state and the water treatment plant was next door and I saw all this greenery behind it and I asked what it was and they said oh yeah you got to see it there was a sea of tomatoes there was a lawn (laughs) of tomatoes no matter what they did the tomatoes would still come out of the wastewater so you're fine with shredded leaves alone take your Your unfinished compost with all of everything in it, with the wood chips and everything like that, just pile it up somewhere and give it some more time. Uh, The best compost is made from shredded fall leaves alone Mm -hmm. or shredded fall leaves to which you add a lot of spent coffee grounds, like from a coffee shop or from an office or something like that. Kitchen waste is difficult. People overload their compost piles with kitchen waste. Um, what I did instead was I got a worm bin, and you can.
4: Oh yeah, we've got that too. Actually, my husband's uh, been really into raising his worms. Yeah.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, yeah. keep that's where your kitchen waste should go, and mm-hmm. the grass clippings should stay on the grass because they will okay. they will feed the lawn for you. I presume you have Bermuda grass or something like that down there. I
4: honestly don't even know. That's yeah. how much I'm, you I'm have not a
0: sure. you have a warm season grass uh so, oh. you know if for instance the grass clippings are 10% nitrogen 10% nitrogen mm-hmm. is the perfect food for lawns so every time you mow the lawn and leave the clippings behind you feed the lawn and okay. if, if the clippings seem large either swap out your mower for a dedicated mulching mower or go to a power equipment store, and they'll have a kit to turn almost any mower into a mulching mower that'll cut and recut the grass uh, the grass blades until you can't see them anymore. And in this case, the seed heads, unless the grass is a hybrid, might actually fill in bare spots for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, grass clippings, I I, I, I tell people the compost pile is not the place for them. Um, okay. Kitchen waste, if, if the compost pile or bin is sealed and you're only putting in little bits, it's okay, but it doesn't add to the strength of the compost and it'll delay the compost making. But um, I, would, I would coddle, what kind of tomatoes were you eating?
4: Uh, the odds are pretty good. They're either grape tomatoes or Roma
0: tomatoes. Okay. Well, I would predict that you're going to get exactly the same tomatoes that you were eating. Mm-hmm. Especially the Romas. Most of the Romas, which is a great paste tomato, processing tomato, mm-hmm. they're open pollinated. And I think almost all of the, you know, grape tomatoes, which are just a little bigger than cherry tomatoes, are open pollinated. So, uh, okay. this could be fun. and don't worry so much. Have fun. Gardening is supposed to be fun, or you're not going to do it the second year. (laughs) All right, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Mike. Oh, our pleasure, Beth. Take care. John, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello. Hello, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking, John. Actually, I'm going quite crazy with all this coronavirus stuff. Uh, where is John? I am in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Okay, very good. An area I know quite well. Uh, fabulous hospitality when I visit there. <laughs> oh, what can we do for John? So for a number of years, I have been fighting sandburrs in my front lawn. Oh, I'm sorry, John. We're out of time. We'll, <laughs> we'll take your call next year. <clears throat> Go ahead, man.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, I've listened to your program on a regular basis. uh, And, you know, uh, one key that I vaguely remember um, was uh, improving soil quality.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, I I will uh, admit or go back and say that that advice came from my really good buddy, the dirt doctor, Howard Garrett, who has a lot of organic uh, media and everything else in Texas. He is really the Texas version of me, and he's he's done just about everything. So in addition to whatever bad information I give you, I want you to go to, I think it's just dirtdoctor.com and because I know he specializes in this kind of thing, because this is a Southern problem. We don't really have sand burrs. Um up here in the mid Atlantic.
2: Yeah, so and one thing that I've also been trying to do um is seed um, you know, a nice turf grass, um, partly to get rid of, you know, the sandy sure. dirt splotches. Um and I've gone with uh Bermuda, um, as I have no um trees in my front lawn. Right. And it's uh supposed to be drought tolerant and, you know, full sun capable. Right. Uh, one thing I was looking at, and I understand uh, you're not exactly big on chemicals. Um, one thing I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, you, is, you, you,
0: you could say that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, part of my lawn um, is what I call Velcro lawn. So as I'm mowing, it feels like I'm walking on Velcro, mm-hmm. uh, the number of sandbirds. And I haven't seen anything that seems to be safe with Bermuda. So. Um, I've tried to avoid using that.
0: Yeah, but. I don't think an herbicide is what's called for here under any, okay. under any kind of circumstances. Most of the time when you use either an organic herbicide or a chemical herbicide, it's either as a preventative, a pre-emergent, or after the fact a broad leaf herbicide. But mm-hmm. unwanted plants like this that really don't have broad leaves You'd be better off, uh, again, looking at uh, the Dirt Doctor website or talking with your local extension agent about the timing of mm-hmm. any new seeds of the sandburrs. You could lay down corn gluten meal, which is completely organic, at the right time of year. You could inhibit the germination of new sandburrs from seed. And you could also uh, that would be improving the soil now, okay. now you say you have sandy soil
2: yes, um, the it looks like it's gotten more um, more organic uh, matter in it. It's starting to darken up and uh, have more of that uh uh i would say tacky ish feeling, so not right. really sandy, but you know
0: well. Um, You know, you're lucky in a sense, because here in the Mid-Atlantic, many of us are cursed with clay soil, and the only way to improve that is with a backhoe. Right. Uh, But if you can add an equal amount of organic matter, especially in the form of just yard waste compost, uh, to sandy soil, you get the perfect combination, which is a rich soil that drains well. Um, How big an area are we talking about?
2: Um, I would say, Roughly uh, about a thousand square
0: feet. Okay. Um, I've got a got a corner lot. Yeah, um, that's, not, and- that's not tough at all. You should be able to find some good bulk compost in Oklahoma. Last time I was there, which was not that long ago, I was at a show, and there were quite a few people there who were, you know, selling bulk compost and things like that. So you should be able to find it at a local independent garden center. You know, get a big load delivered and Mm -hmm. just keep top-dressing your lawn with it. I mean, it's not rocket science. When we did this at my church's um, graveyard to improve the soil, we had a tractor-trailer load of compost dropped off. And then uh, we had guys who had little hobby uh, backhoes and stuff, and uh, they dumped the loads into wheelbarrows. The Boy Scouts just dumped the wheelbarrows randomly... And then they were followed by other kids who just raked it in as best they could. So it's, you know, it's not rocket science. But I would think a couple of top dressings of compost um, will greatly lessen the uh, sandbur uh, problem. And again, if you can get a county extension agent to give you a proper timing, a corn gluten meal would be perfect uh, because uh, your Bermuda grass is a heavy feeder. So the combination of compost and corn gluten meal would give you, I would think, a really lush lawn very quickly. And as Howard said on the show that time before, uh, really, as the soil improves, the sand burrs just go away because that's not their preferred kind of habitat. They really want to just be in sand, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right.
2: Well, um, one qu- other quick question. So I manually have been, you know, removing uh, some of the sandburys that I can find. Mm-hmm. Um, is, uh, would you recommend uh, me continuing with that? To help?
0: I recommend you get yourself a flame weeder and toast okay. the little sons of Satan as you stand up. Okay. that'll that'll not only that'll not only get rid of them, it'll negate any seeds. And I think it'll, you know, you stand there for a while and have a cold drink and you'll you'll even get to those rhizomes underground. Oh, nice. Okay. All right, John. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Good luck to you. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and, once again, remind you that seeds and plants are in short supply this panic-demic season. So if you want to make sure you have seeds for cool weather crops like lettuce, spinach, and kale this fall, and that all-so-important planting garlic we're going to talk about, start looking now. But don't go seed searching just yet, because we'll be right back with important information about growing that garlic and more of your garlicky phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to the festive 99th episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio right here at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem. P.A. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week where I will use my own harvested garlic to show you exactly what to do to get a great harvest, and to show you how much fun it is to grow garlic. In the meantime, a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Katrina, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi. Hello, Katrina. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. And where is Katrina doing pretty good? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Okay, well, that's my city, girl, so you got to tell me what neighborhood.
5: <laughs> Fishtown, apparently.
0: You're in Fishtown? Yes. That's a hot corner right now. That's an up-and-coming neighborhood. It is. All right. What can we do for Katrina in Fishtown?
5: So we have a cherry tree. It's, it's a Bing cherry. It's about four years old.
0: Okay. And
5: this year, when it... It flowered. It flowered really well. It was really pretty. Um, but the cherries didn't develop. Like they came out just to be like the green, but they didn't grow
0: past that. Hmm.
5: And they grew. They grew what looked like warts.
0: Oh, okay.
5: And we were wondering if it had anything to do with the neighborhood cats using our garden as their bathroom. Well, because last year it was fine, and we also have the same thing kind of with our blueberry bush.
0: You're having the same problem with your blueberries?
5: Yeah, like it comes out. We get some flowers, but they just—they don't develop, and it, the cats also go in there a lot. Okay. And the soil is very smelly.
0: Oh God, that's awful. Um, well, yeah. there's two things you can do about the cats. First of all, um, now uh, tell me uh, what uh, you know. Fish Town is pretty crowded. Nobody has a really big garden space. So, is this in your backyard? Yeah,
5: we do um, have a pretty good backyard because we have like two properties. Right. So we have one garden area where our tree is, but we have other like flower beds and stuff as well.
0: Okay. Um, so. Our
5: cherry tree is actually in our uh, blueberry bushes and then old bathtub that we made into a planter.
0: Oh, okay. Oof. Um, well, You know, those kind of plants, trees, don't like being in planters. They'd rather... No,
5: the trees in the ground. The
0: The trees trees in in the ground. ground. What's in the bathtub? You? The blueberry bush. The blueberry bush. Do you keep the soil in the bathtub highly acidic by adding peat moss or sulfur? No. Okay. So that's the issue there. Um, Blueberries require the most acidic soil of any plant we grow. They grow naturally in peat bogs, the old original blueberries um, up in the northern part of the US and Canada. They're uh, ground hugging and they're small, but they're incredibly delicious, but their soil is so acidic that literally if you had a cut on your finger and you put your bare finger into the soil, it would hurt. So that's what you need to do for the blueberry. Um, It uh, sounds like just a matter of uh, the soil is not acid enough. What else is in the, the bathtub with the blueberry?
5: Just the blueberry. There's two of them in there. The one that we transplanted. Yeah. This year grew some pretty good blueberries, but the one that was existing, they didn't really grow anything.
0: Man, you got a weird backyard. <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay. Now I understand your mother wants to get in on this too? Yes. Hold and, on. Hi, is this Helen? Yeah. Yes, it is. Helen, do you want to add any evidence to this crime scene?
5: Yes, for the, the cherry tree. Yeah. Um, it is in, uh, I guess, it's a 4x4 four four plot, but there is soil that extends through the whole yard. It's not cement. It's just slate on top of the dirt.
0: There's okay. also a
5: peony bush in there and lavender, and I have a bunch of iris bulbs. Okay. And I wanted to know is if this, there's a Wait way- a minute.
0: Is this all in that one 4x4? Four four? Yeah. Okay, yeah, way too crowded. Way too crowded really, oh yeah, oh, yeah, no, a four by four for a cherry tree that's all that should be there I, oh. oh, yeah, you you know, uh blueberries require acid soil, uh cherry trees don't require a lot, but with that kind of crowding, there's going to be real problems, so okay I, well, I don't want you to do anything right now because we're in the heat of the summer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in the fall, and now you can plan this, in the fall transplant the other things to other parts of the yard. You know, your daughter okay. your daughter says you got a lot of ground. So don't do. don't crowd things and uh go out and buy a big um a brick of milled peat moss and remove right. remove some of the soil from the bathtub. And fill that sucker up with as much peat moss as you can fit in. Then your blueberries are going to perk up like nobody's business. Um, next year, with the overcrowding taken care of, you should get decent cherries. Now, the uh, are they still on the tree, these warty ones?
1: Yes, they, they're
5: falling off Okay, uh, a little bit at a time. Well, what about the
0: cat? I'm going to get to the cats. Make sure you <laughs> make sure you clean up the fallen cherries. Don't leave any on the ground. Throw them in the trash. Okay. 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 For the cats, you've got two choices. You can either lay chicken wire over top of all your bare soil and press it into the ground so you won't see it anymore. But cats won't relieve themselves where they can't scratch up the soil. You can also get a motion-activated sprinkler that will hit them with cups of cold water every time they come into your backyard. Okay. You you may want to do both. Motion-activated sprinklers, I know people think they're like some sort of fancy, rare thing, but you can find them all over the place. Just look online. And obviously, milled peat moss and chicken wire you can get at your local garden center. So, right
5: now, I use your your recipe for with the peat moss, the prolate, vermiculite, yeah, and the uh, compost. Right. Um, when I add the peat, should I also add those too?
0: No. Or just the peat? No, we right now we're just acidifying the soil. If there's some compost okay. in the soil already, you should be good. Okay. All right, ladies. Yes, thank you very much. All right, my pleasure. You guys take care. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, as promised, it is time for the question of the week, how to grow great garlic. Denise writes, I've grown a lot of things in my life, but never garlic. Hard neck, soft neck, you plant in the spring, you plant in the fall. It's all a bit confusing. I saw you showing off your huge harvest on the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page recently and was wondering if you could give this Connecticut girl some tips. Well, thanks, Denise, you raised some important questions at exactly the right time of year. Yes, there are two basic types of garlic, hardneck and softneck. Hardneck garlics are by far the most flavorful and produce the biggest individual cloves. Best grown in regions with true winters, these are the garlics that have the most colorful wrappers, names, and backstories. But, as with all DC superheroes, hardnecks have a single weakness. It's not kryptonite, the color yellow, fire, or having a kid partner whose nickname is Robin the boy hostage. Just like us, the enemy is time. Harvested in late June through mid-July, hardneck garlic will start to sprout sometime in September. Now that's fine for planting stock, but not for flavor. Soft neck garlic, also known as white garlic and California garlic, has no such weakness, remaining nicely edible for a year after harvest. It's best grown in warmer climes, and it braids very nicely. But the cloves can be agonizingly small, and the flavor is nowhere near that of hard neck garlic. All right, planting time. I know the catalogs say that garlic can be planted spring or fall, but that's like saying it's okay for an adult to put ketchup on their hot dog. Garlic should be planted in, quote, the fall, which means mid-August in the far north, around September 1st in the mid-Atlantic, and as late as Halloween in the Deep South. The basic idea is for the plants to have enough time to grow a good root system before cool weather breezes in. I have planted garlic cloves in the spring just to see if it is wrong, and it is. You can obtain planting garlic from a reputable online source like Burpee, Gardens Alive, or the Seed Savers Exchange, or a local farmer's market that is producer only, meaning that the people selling there are the people who did the growing. Carefully break the bulbs up into their individual cloves. Here we go, kids. Watch carefully. Here is a full head of garlic. No garlic is going to be harmed, hopefully, during this. You run your thumb along the obvious ridges, and then you just reach in, and you pull down, and there inside are your individual cloves. Let's see how many we got in this head. Okay, this is... My garlic has been bred over the years to have only four cloves inside. This isn't even a big head. I did all the big heads before. Now this one, this one looks like the wrapper's a bit exposed, so we might, might want to use that right away. This one and this one are planting size. That's too small. But in some of the garlic I broke open before, this is one clove. Look at that compared to a button on my shirt. Look how big that clove is. And we got a pile of them here. This is some of the best garlic I've ever grown. Okay. Break them up into their individual cloves and plant each clove about six inches deep in the north to three inches deep in the south. About six inches to a foot apart in your richest, deepest, loosest soil. We move on. Last November, Dave in Rocky Point, New York, wrote, After becoming a big fan of your show, I decided to build a new raised bed and try my hand at growing garlic. I planted the cloves in early October, and they've gone gangbusters. They're six to eight inches high of healthy green shoots already. Now what? Do I cut those greens, let them go until they presumably wilt with cold weather, bend them over to the ground. I plan to put a mulch of shredded leaves over them, but I'm not sure what to do with the greenery. Well, garlic planted in the fall, the correct time, may or may not sprout that year, but it doesn't matter. And if it does sprout, don't worry about those greens. They are extremely winter hardy and will continue to grow when the weather warms up again. A mulch of well-shredded leaves is an excellent idea. Your next job is to watch for small bulges to form at the top of each plant's central stalk in the spring. Carefully clip off these scapes and saute them up in a little olive oil for a surprisingly mild garlicky delight. Otherwise, do not molest your greens. And back in April, Charlie in Nashville wrote, I've been growing garlic for 30 years, but I've never been sure about how many leaves must die back on a garlic plant before it's safe to harvest. Three or four layers of leaves? Ah, now we enter the art of garlic growing. Harvest too soon and you get a bunch of leaks. Wait too long and you get something that looks like George Washington's old dentures. Growers in very few locales can harvest before the end of June. Fewer still can afford to delay until mid-July. So when that time of year arrives and the bottom one-third of each plant has gone from green to brown, pull up a sample bulb. Choose one that has a nice thick stalk. If it has a good-sized bulb on the bottom with a full but unsplit wrapper, pull up a few more. If a test bulb looks like a big scallion, use it to flavor a dish and wait a week to try again. As the days go by, become bolder about harvesting, always choosing the thickest stalks and allowing the thinner ones a little more time to develop. Bring your harvested bulbs inside to a cool area with great air circulation and allow them to cure for about a week apiece. Finish harvesting before any of the wrappers break open. Then work the bulbs just like I did so that the biggest, most perfect cloves get saved for replanting, and smaller and or damaged cloves get used right away. Or, chop the small ones up, put them in a food dehydrator. Once they're dry, grind them up and save them in spice jars for use until the next harvest is ready. Best garlic powder ever. lecture was a lot of information about having a happy garlic harvest, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website, where you can read it over at your leisure or your leisure. Just click the link for the Question of the Week at our website, which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to cancel my clothes if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. You'll find all of this contact information, answers to hundreds of your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of all the shows and our podcast. It's all at that website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when physicians were forced to replace most of his skeleton with adamantium, but neglected to do his back, meaning he is now an old complaining Jewish man with claws. Our musical director is Ken Queter. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page, where, yes, there are many images of me harvesting and playing with my garlic this summer. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Our usual gang of idiots includes Eric Werner, Zach the and John Flynn. Our fearless leader, Grand Poobah, CEO, and first in line at the buffet table is Tim Fallon. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, thanking you all for a wonderful 99 Weeks and for the folks on the second floor for forgetting to actually watch this show so we have a chance at 99 More.
1: 99 red balloons Floating in the summer sky Panic badge, it's red alert There's something here from somewhere... Ah, this is the ticket Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night, I got my best girl with me Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess, some mint chocolate chip Bingo You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in partners since the beginning throughout life you have many different partners shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life your health Lehigh Valley Health Network your health deserves a partner learn more at (laughs) lvhn.org
0: Don't go putting away that trowel just yet, cats and kittens, because we're just getting started. I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we'll celebrate 100 shows from here in the Lehigh Valley and tell you about all of the groovy goodies you should start growing right now. Plus your groovy phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden.